Speaking Out America. Don't forget the podcast is Speaking Out America, and you can uh, listen to it anytime on Spotify. And you can join us 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific right here on CRNTalk.com, along with other great shows, including What's Cooking, The Lounge with Mike Horn, Fred Dreyer, Ron Say from the legendary Dodgers has a Saturday show. Check it out, CRNTalk.com. And, of course, Eric Early with a conversation a little bit later this afternoon. And then about 5 o'clock, you can hear the repeat of this very program if you miss any of it. So thank you very much for stopping by, and we always appreciate you. We do have a listener line, which is 941, area code 941-800-2937. And you can call that, leave a comment, and we, of course, reserve the right to play it and uh, share it with our audience. Uh, so the, yesterday we spent a little bit of time uh, letting you hear a great portion of a speech that Tucker Carlson gave recently when he was in Hungary. And he gave a speech, uh, he was invited, and it was a great speech. It's a fantastic speech. And the thing that made it great is because, as I mentioned in the first segment, Tucker uh, unwittingly has become sort of the conservative thought influencer. There are a few out there. Uh, Jordan Peterson might be one, Dennis Prager certainly. And these are people who are echoing or carrying the much-needed conservative message. What is conservatism? You know, nowadays, if you ask the average person what a conservative is, the first thing they're going to think of is Donald Trump or somebody who follows Donald Trump. But it's, it's more than that. Conservatism is at the root of a lot of the basic principles. You could say that the, father, the founding fathers were conservative. They wanted to conserve those things that society had learned through trial and error that actually pushed society forward in, in the true nature of progressivism. And to, and to my mind, true progressivism is uh, the, on the same equation as universal brotherhood or unity, peace, and goodwill for all men, just as Christ taught. Those are conservative principles because they conserve the better elements of those things which make society better for more people for a greater period of time. But it gets lost in the news and in the media because everything is so politicized and everybody's so angry at each other and everything is a volatile political issue and you can't share it with anybody. And so I wrote an article, When We Cease to Speak, which addresses this very problem. We are all becoming quiet. We don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to, uh, we don't want to offend anybody because we might have an idea that's different from them. That's not what freedom is about. Freedom is about the cuts and the bruises that come along. So I want to play some excerpts from Tucker where he echoes these very truths, and he's speaking to an audience that is getting criticized by all of Europe. Hungary is considered a pariah. It is considered an anti-player. It is pushing back against this globalist attempt to homogenize all of Europe, make everybody follow the same rules. You can't say anything about immigrants. That's hate speech. You can't say anything about transgenderism. That's hate speech. Use the wrong pronoun. You know, blog blog something that goes against climate change, you could get arrested for being a denier. These are dangerous times. And it's not just here in America. It's everywhere. And it's getting worse. And I'm not sure when it started to happen, but I think it started to happen in the 60s and the 70s. And it got worse and worse with each passing generation because the teachers... Uh, the educators, the experts, 
the psychologists, all of the people, they got in there and they said, we can design the perfect utilitarian individual, the person who will serve the state without question, and they'll be happy doing it, and there'll be utopia for everyone. And that's what the globalists think, that they can organize and twist and turn and negotiate, manipulate, and make the perfect human, the atomized man. And, and then that's why when I'm hearing Tucker speak, here's a subject. If you love your country, this is Tucker Carlson in Hungary. But there's nothing I believe in more than America, so I just want to be totally clear of, on that. And I, and I really think... I don't actually really think, but I'm going to say anyway and pretend as though I think dawn is coming soon. But here's the point. You behave this way if you care. If you care. If you think of your country like your home, you don't want it to look crappy. It's really that simple. If it's your house, you want to be in charge of who sleeps there. That's not a complex principle. It's the most basic human principle. So as I'm standing at the border, literally at the border fence, thinking about this, watching the German shepherd amble past, I was trying to talk to a border guard. How often do you see migrants putting ladders atop the concertina wire? Is this like every hour, every day? Is it at night during the day? Yeah, I'm trying to ask the dumb journalist questions. And he looked down like very intensely, like something bad had happened. And I'm from the US where we have poisonous snakes. So I immediately thought, so I stepped back and there is a plastic sandwich bag about that big, on the ground, stuck at the bottom of the chain link fence. And this guard reaches down, grabs the bag, and puts it in his own pocket. And I don't think I've, I have seen in my life very few displays more powerful than that. So here's a border guard. I don't know what they make. I'm guessing not much. He's a civil servant. He works for the government. And he's so offended by the idea that there's litter in his country that he puts it in his own pocket. What does that tell you? It's the clearest possible expression of love and respect. When you love something, you keep it clean, period. I've said this on television many times, and every time I do, they call me a fascist, as if cleanliness were a fascist quality. It's not. It's a virtue. And cleanliness are essential to human happiness. Good point there. He makes a, uh, the greater point here, talking about our leaders in America just really don't seem to care what's happening in their country. They're allowing it to happen right under their nose. Basically, the point when people stop caring about their country is when drug addicts start building tent cities on the sidewalk. The entire state of my birth, California, you too? You're a refugee? It's disgusting. And for reasons that used to confuse me but now make perfect sense, the one thing they flip out, they become enraged if you complain about, is that. So you can stand up in the public square in the United States and say, you know, I think our marginal tax rates are too high. Any kind of policy issue. And people will say, you know, that's a good idea. It's not a, not a good idea. Let's debate it. It's fine. If you stand up and say, there's a vagrant defecating on the sidewalk in front of my house. If you were to say that out loud, oh, you're a fascist. So why is that not allowed? Why can't you say that? I'll tell you exactly why because it reveals how little the people in charge care about the country they run and about you. They don't care at all, and it's obvious. If you treated your children the way our leaders treat us, you would be declared universally an unfit parent. You know, I read an article, John Nolte today in Breitbart talking about the crime rate 
in all these blue cities, democratic cities, up 40% homicides, hate crimes up in L.A., Portland. All these murders, violent, smashing grabs, intimidation, all of this happening under our very leaders' noses. And yet they do nothing. Oh, they talk about how they're going to take action and they're going to do this and they're going to do that, but they don't. They don't take any, any responsibility for what's going on. The border remains open. Meanwhile, we spend $125 billion helping Ukraine keep its border closed. Tucker had some final thoughts here as he spoke to his group in Hungary just a, a week ago. But there's nothing I believe in more than America, so I just want to be totally clear of, on that. And I, and I really think, I don't actually really think, but I'm going to say anyway and pretend as though I think dawn is coming soon. The lessons of Hungary have nothing to do with your system of government or your specific leaders or the results of this or that election. The lessons are much deeper. Care about your country. Try to make it nice in the most simple way. Not the richest. A place where people can, I don't know, do crazy things like have children if they want to. In a country where they might want to raise those children. Where they might be able to eat food that's not pump full of garbage that destroys your body. Like decent food, decent streets, safe, clean, family-oriented. How complex is this? Not very. It would have been recognizable a thousand years ago, 2,000 years ago, before you guys even showed up here in this basin. It would have been recognizable at any time in history. These are the things that people actually want. But mostly, they want to live unmolested, following their own customs that they inherited from their parents that they hope to pass on to their children, without being lectured or hurt in an environment that uplifts rather than degrades, in a place that is clean rather than filthy, orderly rather than chaotic. That's what human beings want in every culture, in every place around the world, because it's not a cultural desire, it's an innate human desire. And any government that takes that into account and tries to achieve it should be proud of what it's doing. The people who live there should be grateful and they should not allow the people who have mismanaged the rest of the world to tell them otherwise. Period. You know, I think the Roosevelt Hotel in New York is a great metaphor for exactly what Tucker Carlson is talking about there. The slow degradation, the I don't care, the broken window syndrome, whatever you want to call it. The Roosevelt Hotel, one of the shining uh, monarchs of hotels in New York. Beautiful hotel. And now it's infested with migrants who have no purpose other than to exist uh, the city leaders look the other way at the filth and the mess. And this is indicative. It's a metaphor for America at large. And it's tragic to see this happen in one short lifetime. It's hard for me to fathom that so much degradation could occur in such a short period of time. It truly is. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to leadership. It's not about Trump. It's not about conservatives. It's not about MAGA. It's not about the climate. It's about leadership and what their priorities are. And if they want to continue to let America disintegrate, then the whole thing will fall. And that's what 2024 is about. It's about the kind of leadership we want to have. Something's We need a course correction. Jim Watkins, Speaking Out America. See you tomorrow, 9 a.m. right here on CRN Talk and online, speakingoutamerica.com. Very happy to have on the Reverend Jim Harden, CEO of Compass Care, 
an organization that serves the needs of thousands of women a year, helping them through probably the toughest choices of their lives. Jim, it's always good to have you on. And, of course, in the previous segment, I was talking about brown shirts and the striking similarity between that and some of these pro-choice activists that we see now that are doing real harm. And you know you're the subject of a very violent uh, action against you. Tell us a little bit about that, uh, if you mind, because we've got new listeners every week. Tell us about your experience of being attacked by pro-lifers and, and what they did to you and your family. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you mentioned brown shirts because a year ago, a little over a year ago on in June, we were firebombed by pro-abortion Antifa domestic terrorists. Firebomb. In the middle of the night, they came uh, and broke the glass of our facility, medical facility in Buffalo, and uh, used Molotov cocktails, multiple perpetrators, and and uh, basically lit the place on fire. Uh, half a million dollars of damage was done. Two firefighters were injured in putting out the blaze. And Antifa, pro-abortion Antifa, uh, which, which was masquerading as Jane's Revenge at the time, uh, essentially took credit for it. They said, we did it. And if you don't, if you don't stop um, enslaving women, they said, enslaving women, by forcing them to become a permanent socioeconomic underclass, forcing them to have their babies, then uh, more is going to come. And they, they said, next time it's not going to be so easily cleaned up as fire and graffiti, which of course is a murder threat. They they engaged in, in, in this kind of thing. They doxed my home. They came to our home, uh, taking pictures and videos. Uh, I had to relocate my family for a while. We had people drive past our house and point guns at my children. Um, this is Antifa. This is the pro-abortion movement. This is the face of abortion. Uh, they are violent. And, and, and by the way, when, it, when you mentioned brown shirts, Jim, I, I was like, this is great because that's exactly what I said when we were firebombed. The, the day I was standing in front of our facility after we were, it was firebombed, smoldering facility in front of you know media cameras, I said, this is the pro-abortion Kristallnacht. Kristallnacht is German for broken glass at night. Yeah. And it refers to the moment when the brown shirts in 1938 Germany went out in November 1938 and broke the glass and lit fires in the businesses owned by Jewish people. And that became the tipping point of violence into the Jewish community in Nazi Germany. And why? Two reasons. A lack of public outcry and a refusal on the part of the political elite to denounce the violence. And that's exactly what we've got right now in America with this pro-abortion political uh, kind of uh, basically terrorism. They use physical terrorism. They use they use um, they use they use uh, verbal violence. Uh, they they now have, have transitioned into uh, vilification of, of pregnancy centers and pro-life people through uh, the media telling lies about us. They're saying that, that we're the liars. Uh, they've, they've transitioned into weaponization of legislation against us. The DOJ and the FBI refuse to investigate. They refuse to indict. I mean, this is Merrick Garland, uh, Christopher Wray. This goes all the way up to the Joe Biden himself signed an executive order for the DOJ to investigate, to put together a reproductive health task force to investigate what they call the fraudulent practices of pregnancy centers. Whistleblowers coming out of the FBI last March were saying they, they, they issued a new threat tag out of the FBI to look for pro-life adherence. People adhere to pro-life beliefs. This is an all-out war against pro-life people. And I believe that there's one reason for it. One reason. It's the it's the belief that pro-lifers have. It stands between uh, a true freedom, a free kind of constitutional rule of, rule of law society and 
tyranny. And that belief is this, that we're all made in the image of God and therefore equally valuable without qualification. We are endowed by our creator, says the Declaration of Independence, endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. That the first and, and most uh, fun fundamental, the foundational right, the right which presupposes all others is the right to life. And so the, 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 the definition of absolute power is the ability to decide who lives and who dies, right? That's exactly what abortion gives these, 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 these pro-abortion political extremists. Power, absolute power. And if we continue to allow them to, to, to have the ability to decide who lives and who dies, who qualifies for protection under the law and who doesn't, it's a slippery slope because right now it's pre-born boys and girls. And tomorrow it might be the disabled. Tomorrow it might be the disenfranchised. And tomorrow it might be the the, uh, the the what they call the mentally unfit, quote unquote. Tomorrow it might be you or I because we happen to disagree with the political uh, narrative. We're disfavored. We're disfavored because we don't believe the way the politicians believe. That is Nazi Germany. That is what happened. In, in, in the 20th century, and it's and we believe it looks like it's happening again in America. You know, I think about what it took to turn young people in their minds against a group of people. In this case, the brown shirts specifically were unleashed on to the Jews. And I yep. think to myself that that indoctrination came from somewhere because in order to look at another human being as vile or, or inhuman or a threat mm -hmm. or a threat to your safety, someone has to put the idea into your mind that people yeah. of a certain ideology are the enemy. And I think that's what we're seeing playing out in the street now is that especially with like smash and grab is an extension of this other group. You know, again, intimidation uh, uh, and, and our leaders of a, of a leftist or progressive persuasion believe that these people have a right because of distribution, uh, retribution and past racist sins. So they're basically being uh, uh, given a green light to go and cause destruction. Oh, there's there's battles on multiple fronts right now. Just, you know, there's a battle to to continue to to serve women, you know, free from threat or violence. Just because we provide women with with uh, free, comprehensive community support and, and ethical medical care. And, and we're being vilified for it, demonized for it. Uh, we're fighting battles on, on the legislative level. We're fighting battles in the courtroom. We're fighting battles in the public square. We're being censored. I mean, this is an all, like I said, they, they've declared all out war on Christian pro-life people. And, uh, you know, it, it is a battle for the hearts and minds of, 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 of Americans. I don't know that they know what's going on. I mean, thankfully people who listen to your show do, um, but, but it's not being covered by the, the, uh, kind of left-wing progressive media. Most people don't know. I say half of them, half of America don't, don't know that there've been over 300 attacks on pro-life entities and there've been no convictions, none. Meanwhile, you got a, 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 a an activist U S district court judge in DC that, that, Essentially, I don't. God knows how convicted uh, five peaceful pro-life advocates uh, for conspira conspiracy against rights, and they're, they're, they're facing eleven years in jail and three hundred fifty thousand dollars fines each. I, and, and now they're, they're, they they were they they weren't even sentenced, but they took them off and put them in jail. They're peaceful people. This is where we are right now. The FACE Act is what's being used as a bludgeon to beat and to, to identify pro-life people 
and quell pro-life activity in the public square. It's being used as a Stalinistic Article 58, and they're going to continue to expand the purview of the FACE Act, which is the Freedom of Access to Clinic, Abortion Clinic Entrance Act. Okay, they're going to continue to expand that, and 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 pretty soon, I it's going to be like Canada. Uh, pastors are going to be seen. Pastors are preaching pro-life messages. Are messages are going to be seen as violating or conspiring to violate a woman's right to an abortion. But there is no federal right to an abortion. How can you convict uh, anybody in a federal court for violating a woman's right to an abortion when the Dobbs case basically said there is no federal constitutional right to abortion? You can't construe that in the Constitution. And yet the, here they are, totally flouting the law. You got a used district court judge flouting the law. This is uh, Colleen Cotterly Keller. Keller, Keller I mean, it's a, it's a hyphenated last name with K's, interestingly yeah. enough. And I think this this movement is basically the new the, the pro-abortion Democrat Party's new KKK. They are they are going out there and they are literally attacking pro-life people for being pro-life. They are treating us like second-class citizens simply because we believe all people, including pre-born boys and girls, need to be protected. All people need to be protected. And that's somehow offensive to them. It's hard to believe that we live in this environment, but it is true. We look back at history and we say, how could that happen? And now here we go. It's happening here. Uh, Jim, I want to thank you for joining me on the program. We'll look forward to our next conversation. If you want to find out more about what Jim does, I encourage you to go on compasscarecommunity.com. Compasscarecommunity.com. Reverend Jim Harden with us today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hold on, Jim. 